I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to the book of James. James chapter 1 and verse 18. And I would ask you to stand to your feet. We honor the reading of God's word in this house. We stand for brides. We stand at funerals. We stand for people of honor, kings and queens. And how much more do we stand for the king of kings and lord of lords as we honor his word and we believe for him to show up in our midst. James chapter 1. We're going to begin at verse 18, reading four verses here through verse 21. James chapter 1 and verse 18, reading out of the New King James this morning, and it says this, Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth. Everyone say word of truth. He brought us forth, or we were born again by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures or creation. So then, verse 19, my beloved brethren, let every man be slow, swift to hear. Let, it, let me read it, make sure I get it right. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Verse 21, therefore lay aside every all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness or humility the implanted word. Everyone say implanted word. The implanted word which is able to save your souls. Wow. Anybody need your soul to be saved? I, I, we all do. I just tell you, we all need our soul to be saved. The implanted word. We're going to talk about how to receive the word of God this morning. It's going to help you whether you're receiving a prophetic word or whether we're getting into the word of God. It's going to help us in receiving his word. So let's pray and let's ask his hand on this time together. Lord, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is light, it's life, it's instruction, it's correction where we need it. And Lord, I pray that today your word would accomplish all that you desire it to, that Jesus beyond a man preaching and expounding on, on a text, Lord, I pray that you would minister your word to us today. It's living and it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And you, O oh Lord, are able to breathe on this word and make it alive in our lives. Come on, church, would you Help me pray for a great anointing to rest upon us today. Lord, I do. I just pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would anoint us. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart that perceives what your spirit is speaking today in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that even the same way that you were anointed to preach the word, God, I pray that an anointing would rest upon me, that under the unction of your spirit, I would preach as I ought to. Lord, I resist and I rebuke the enemy. He would seek to distract, to divide, to, to, to confuse or uproot your word as it comes forward. Give us liberty, O Lord, in receiving your word today. May it accomplish all that you desire it to in the mighty, powerful, overcoming name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody say, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. Wow. Today, I am going to share something that's very near and dear to my heart. When I was in Bible college, um, I was fortunate, I was blessed that the Lord put me around some of the right people that I needed to be around. How many understand uh, your friends 
who you associate, they, they have a major impact on your life and your walk with the Lord, for good or for bad. You, you need to be mindful of who you surround yourself with. But uh, I was fortunate because the two people closest to me, I uh, became good friends with a man of God who'd come in from, from Africa, Zimbabwe, and uh, his name was Reward Sibanda. Uh, you may know him. He uh, today is on staff with the Upper Room. He travels. He preaches a lot. But that was my best friend. That was my accountability. He is still my best friend, but my accountability partner, my, my prayer uh, partner, and uh, uh, he would push me to pray. In fact, one of the things I distinctly remember, Ree, if you're watching, I just remember the, the laughing so hard when he would come running into class. He's a tall, skinny boy, and he would come running long legs because he was always late for class. And I was wondering, Ree, why are you always late? And he could never explain why he was late, but, but I discovered what was going on. He would get up at 5, 6 in the morning every day, and there was a time where I, I began to walk out of the men's dormitory, and there was a little prayer room at the bottom of, of our building, and I would hear Re for hours crying out in prayer, just asking the Lord to speak to him, asking the Lord to minister. I mean, just a whole slew of things that he would be contending for. And inevitably, he would always lose track of time and be late for class. So that was going on. And we'd sit, and there were times where we'd be talking about, man, encounters that happened in the place of prayer. And, and there began to, to stir in me this hunger. I, like, I always thought, like, I grew up where we did, like, prayer vigils. Anybody know what a prayer vigil is? It's about as boring as it sounds. Usually that means that you're going to come and you're going to sit and do your best to not fall asleep over the course of an entire night. And that was like my idea of prayer. It might be reading the Lord's Prayer or going and, uh, you know, coming with a list of needs, but I didn't understand. How can someone pray for hours in the prayer room? How did the prophets encounter the Spirit of God? Angel encounters, heaven encounters, like, God, can you still do that kind of stuff? And I'd get around people like Re, and I'd hear these stories of not just biblical accounts or, or you know, some, some accounts of some great revivalist, some great man or woman of God, but like normal people like me and you having encounters with God. And it put this hunger in me to want to go pray. The other thing that happened is I had a roommate, and I would go to pray, and, and then I would come into my dorm room, and every time I would see my roommate Tyler just laid out on the bed with his Bible in front of him. Every time I'd come in the room, the man had the Bible open. Uh, his parents worked for Benny Hinn Ministries, and somewhere throughout this, he had developed such a love for the Word of God. And I just thought, I didn't get that, man. I was like, I want encounters in the prayer room. I want to I experience angels and the Holy Ghost and a touch from God, and I need something fresh. And it, it was kind of beyond me, like, Tyler, how are you always reading the Bible? Isn't that boring? You've read it all. I mean, don't you get it by now? But as I was watching, and, and here's what's kind of neat. I, I distinctly remember a conversation that I had with these guys. And, I, you know, you're a man of the word, and you're a man of prayer, and, and that's just fine. But I watched over the course of a couple years walking with these guys how Tyler would read in the word, and something would come alive, and like, wow, I need to act on that. And his love of the word pushed him to the place of prayer and pursuit and intimacy with the Lord. 
And on the other hand, I would be praying or, you know, my buddy Ree, and we'd have these moments where we were praying, and all of a sudden a, a, a phrase or a verse would drop into our hearts and like, I think that's in the Bible. We better go check that out. And our prayer would push us to seek the word. And what does God actually say about this? Guys, something happened to me. I encountered Pentecost and I immediately fell in love with the Spirit of God. I immediately fell in love with worship and in prayer. But over the couple years, the, the three years that I was there in Bible school and, and pursuing that, that, that course of study, God birthed in me a love for the Bible. And today, it's my prayer that God will birth in every one of us a love for his word. I know you probably come to this church. In fact, I had somebody come to me last Sunday. They were here on, on Christmas, and they said, you know, there's a lot of great Bible-preaching churches, but, but not many that have the, the stream of the Spirit in their church. And, and she said, I, I, I love that about this. I love that on Christmas Day you guys were laying hands on the sick, uh, believing for God to, to meet them in their place. And he, That's who we are, and we're always going to be that. But I want us to fall in love with the Bible. I want us to fall in love. In fact, the Bible, the verse that we read just a moment ago, and you hang out here in James. This is where everything I'm coming from today is going to be. But it says that in verse 18, he gave birth to us by his true word. Do you realize that everything that we hinge our eternity on Think about this. Everything we believe about heaven and hell and how we're going to end up in heaven, it's all based in this. Like I'm literally betting my eternal life on what I have learned in this precious book. We need to have a regard and a revere over the Bible. I don't know if you love the Bible yet, but I pray that if anything, I would perk your interest and, and hopefully stir a hunger inside of you. Man, I, I need to get in that book. Romans chapter 10 and verse 14 says, How can we call on him, God, if we have not believed? And how will we believe in him of whom we have not heard? And how will we hear without a preacher? And how shall we preach unless they are sent as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. You understand, friend, we carry the word of truth. These are the words of eternal life. These are the means of salvation. This is the good news that the world is just simply unaware of. And this is why we must become carriers and releasers of God's word. We are as born again believers. Do I have any born again believers in the house of God today? You heard the word. Okay. It's about six of us. Praise God. We're going to pray for the rest of you today. You're going to hear the word. It's going to come alive in you. But this is what it says. We are the first fruits of his creation. You realize God's work is not done yet. Like, he began something in the people of God. He'd been born again. Uh, in fact, we had an interesting uh, dinner. I saw my brother-in-law hopped on the live stream. I don't know if, Junior, you're still there. But he is a military recruiter. 
And we were talking about what that process is. And I don't know why my wife just thought this would be so fun and hilarious. Like, what are the kind of questions that you ask them? Oh, you should do it on Jake. And they start digging into, like, all of my legal history and all of this. And, like, my kids hadn't heard half the stories that we went through there. Like, you guys, it's a good thing that Pastor Jacob is a new creation. It's a good thing. I'm not the kind of guy that, you know, you want, I don't know. I just, the Lord... The Lord has done a lot in my life. Has the Lord done a lot in any of your lives as well? I, I, I heard the word of truth, and it began to get in me and transform me. And I, who I am today is wildly different from the person that I was when I came to Jesus. And it's amazing how God can work in, in each and every one of us. But look at what it says in verse 19. You've probably heard this verse before. Be Swift to hear, be slow to speak, and be slow to anger. Be swift to hear, be slow to speak, and be slow to anger. Now, let me just say, I'm going to give this to you in context over the next few moments, but I will just say, this is a great verse and a great principle to apply to your life in every area. It's going to help you a lot. Husbands, wives... Be quick to listen, be slow to speak, and keep your anger in check. That's what this verse, I mean, you guys, I can think of a lot of arguments that I've had with my spouse that I could have avoided if I would have shut my mouth. If I would have been quiet, if I would have listened a little better, if I would have talked less, I can think of a whole lot of disputes that I would have avoided. Uh, I won't speak for her. I'm going to be slow to speak, you see. I'm going to avoid an argument right here and right now. But I'm telling you, uh, how many of you can think about, uh, there's times I wish I wouldn't have said that. Usually as soon as the words leave your mouth, you know that uh, I should not have said that. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. Listen, you want to be a better boss? You want to be a better boss to your employees? Be quick to listen, hear what they're saying, be slow to speak. Don't get angry. Don't get angry at your coworkers. I'm telling you, parenting with children in virtually every area, this is tremendous wisdom that we would all do well to receive from God. Be Quick to listen, be slow to speak, and be slow to anger because man's anger does not produce righteousness, he says. Now, that being said, can I draw your attention to something maybe you've never seen? I've heard that verse quoted a lot, but I've never heard it quoted in context. Do you know what the context of that passage is? Look at, look at the scripture again with me. In verse 18, it says, by his will, we were brought forth or born again by the word of truth. Everybody say the word of truth. Anybody know what the word of truth is? The Bible. Everybody say the Bible. This is the word of truth. And then it says, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And look at verse 21. Again, here's context. So lay aside filthiness, overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word. It's talking about the word before, and it's talking about the word after. So it reasonably would make sense that here in the middle, 
is talking about how we receive the word. That's what this entire passage, in fact, it continues on, and we'll get into it next week about being not only hearers but doers of the word. This entire passage is about how we receive and incorporate God's word into our lives. So if I'm going to summarize verse 19, what it is to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, this is what I want you to write down if you're taking notes. How do we receive God's word? Number one. We must receive the word with honor. We must receive God's word with honor. Everybody say honor. These, just think about this, friend. These are the words of eternal life. When I read those words in red, there's there's moments where I just think, God took on flesh, and these are the things that he said. This is the word and will and heart of God being communicated to man. When I read the prophets, this is what God Almighty is speaking to various people in various times and situations. Like, do you read this word and realize this is God's word? That's a big deal. And it's something that, friend, we need to learn to honor and revere the Word of God. Well, you say, what does that have to do with being quick to hear and slow to speak and and slow to anger? Friend, that's our posture in receiving the Word. You can tell when somebody is hard-headed and unreceptive when all they do is talk and talk and talk and talk and never listen. You ever talk to that person? We got people like that sitting in the row right next to you. We have, well, we've all been around those kinds of people. Now, don't point your finger. I'm just. We've all been around those kinds of people. We all can think of a number of people that are like that. But how is it that we approach God? You know, one of the ways that we honor people, in fact, I, I remember uh, my wife, uh, she worked at a country club for a time. I just shared this recently. And one of the members at that club was George W. Bush. And she was a, she was a waitress. She would come and serve him his, what did he order? His enchiladas and a buckler beer. And uh, it was a non-alcoholic beer. And she would come and serve him. And here's what was crazy. I mean, I wanted to know all about this. Like, how was it? What was it like? Did he talk to you? And this guy, I mean, the president would slow down and ask. Hey, I'm glad someone's getting deep in the word. Strong's. Okay. Um, they would ask, he would ask my wife about her about her life. What do you do? And uh, uh, I mean, the crazy thing is the president would stop and look her in the eyes and hear her response and talk to her. I mean, it was a wonderful leadership quality, probably one of many that allowed him to be elevated the way that he was. And if there is anybody who is busy enough to blow off a waitress, it's the president. Right? So who are we that we ignore people, that we don't hear people, that we're just going to give them my peace of mind and what I know about this and that. Friend, be quick to hear. Be slow to speak. Treat God this way. I know as Pentecostals, 
We like to scream and shout and pray in tongues and run around the room and flop on the floor. And uh, I, I know, I know that's, that's what we do. And that's, what, that's my preference too. Uh, somebody asked me one time, well, pastor, what about the verse that says, be still and know I am God. And I'm just, I don't really like that one very much. I, I want to shout and clap and run around. Like that's, what, that's how I want to worship the Lord. But it is important to be still and know that he is God. It is important to to come into the presence of God and be slow to speak. You ever approach God like that? I mean, it's hard. We come in, and I'm going to pray my prayer request. I'm going to go through my list, and I know what I have need of, and I'm going to make my request known and maybe sing a song, and then all pow, I'm done. Do you ever stop to just speak, Lord? Speak, Lord, your servant's listening. Speak to me, God. One of the things that transformed my prayer life is when it was actually a YWAM group. I was on a prayer retreat. And they had us one day go up into the mountains for two hours on a silent retreat. Anybody ever done this? We were made to go, and this is our instruction. You're going to go out into the woods, and you're going to posture your heart to hear from the Lord, and you are to say nothing for two hours. Just go and listen. Friend, I got about 30 seconds into that thing, and I wanted to talk. And it began to reveal something about me, like God You have infinite wisdom. You have the answer. You have the the resources for everything that I could possibly bring before you. And your word even says you have knowledge of what I need even before I ask. I need to shut up. I need to listen. Friend, when was the last time you came into the place of prayer with that posture? Lord, would you just speak to me? I'm going to be quick to hear and I'm going to be slow to speak. See, this is, this is so powerful when we begin to receive the word. Do you realize that the word of God has the power to save your soul? I mean, that's a big deal. The, the word of God, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23, we have been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. You have been born again by the word of God. We need to honor this word. Can, can I give you, uh, you know, when I got saved, I came into the, the body of Christ as a drug addict. Came into the body of Christ as a, as a pretty broken sinner. And I sought deliverance. In fact, the second church service I was in in Bible school was a deliverance meeting. And I needed deliverance. I needed the devil broke off of my life. I, I needed that. And I, and I received that. And it was powerful. I'll break the devil off of your life if you need that. I love to pray and see the power of God come. But then something happened. I realized that I couldn't just live from deliverance prayer to deliverance prayer, but there was a point in time where I actually had to begin to walk out my relationship with God. Listen, in your marriage, listen, I love the high moments. I love my wedding day. I love when my wife and I go out on a date. I love our moments of intimacy. But in between all of those things is day Today, life. 
And if that's not healthy, friend, that other stuff isn't going to matter very much. Are you hearing me today? Our relationship with God will have high points in the altars. We'll have high points in worship and in prayer and in church services. But then there's the day-to-day walking. And you know where you're going to find freedom? David, who knew sin well. The Bible talks about how David fell into adultery, how David committed murder. David had a lot of blood on his hands, but he understood something. Psalm 119 in verse 11 says, Your word, O God, I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You want to know a key to consistently walking right before God? Get this word on the inside of you. That's what I had to do. Friend, I had the devil broke off of my life, but I had these moments where the enemy would speak to me, where Satan would speak to me. You're still broken. God could never use you. And then I began to quote Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I am a son of God. I have been brought into the newness of the spirit of life. I take the word of God. That's not my idea. It's the, war, it's the Lord's idea. When I would be struck with temptation, oh, I hear there's drug addicts that stand right out here on this corner, and the thought would cross my mind. Ah, nobody would know. Then Corinthians would hit my heart. There is no temptation that has overtaken man, but that which is common to man. And with every temptation, God provides a way of escape. Lord, show me the way of escape. Deliver me from evil. Jesus, you taught me to pray that. Guys, I I could do this all day long. Why? Because when I was learning to walk right before God, it was the word of God that sustained me. Lord, your word says, I've made a covenant with my eyes that I will not look lustfully upon a woman. God, I make that covenant with my eyes. I could take these verses all day long. Every area that I've ever struggled or been tempted in, I find, Lord, what do you say about this? And how can I overcome these things? Friend, we need to do this. You need to take the word of life and let it minister in a way that only it can. I'll pray for you. I'll break the devil off of you. We're going to sing worship songs and, and host the Holy Ghost. But you must get the word of God on the inside of you because that is what's going to sustain you and carry you. When I feel defeated, man, my body hurts. and that, But Lord, your word says... Are you guys hearing me today? I sure hope you're with me. This is, this is life. This is life. You say, Pastor, I don't even know where to begin. Well, it's a good thing you come to a Bible-preaching, Bible-believing church. Hallelujah. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. It's important to get around this because man, you get around people that preach and believe the wrong things. There's a lot of Holy Ghost hyperness with, with a lack of the Word. There's also a lot of places that are so shallow in the word. I'm going to tell you stories about me and my opinions, and I'm going to tag one verse on it at the end of it. That's not what we do. And I know some of you, one day, eventually, you'll, you'll move. You're going to go somewhere else, and that's fine. Wherever you go, you find a church that preaches and believes the Bible. All right. I feel like I'm preaching to a Baptist crowd today. I just... Believe the Bible. Receive the Bible. Oh, my goodness. Albert Barnes is a theologian I enjoy reading. 
He said, men have two ears but one tongue. They should hear more than they speak. The ears are always open, ever ready to receive instruction, but the tongue is surrounded with a double row of teeth to hedge it in and to keep it within proper bounds. How many of you ever had a moment you opened your mouth and wished that you hadn't? Praise God, my hand is up too. But you'll notice that there are far fewer occasions where you held your tongue and wished that you hadn't. We need to learn. Even when we come into the presence of God, be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. Don't get angry. Now, number two, we need to receive the word with purity. We need to receive the word with purity. Everybody say with purity. Now, where do I see that? In verse 21, it says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. If we're going to receive the word of God, we need to receive it with purity. Now, what's neat about this is uh, I did a word study on this. And that word filthiness is the Greek word rupos. Everybody say rupos. You know what rupos is? Rupos it's the picture of an ear that is clogged with earwax. I had a brother, and I'm not, I don't want to embarrass him, so I won't say his name, but for a long time we thought Joel was hard of hearing. We'd talk to Joel, and he just, he wouldn't respond to it. Yeah, I, I know. We'd talk to Joel, and... He would not hear. He wouldn't respond. And we seriously thought he had hearing problems. So we took him to have his ears checked and come to find out he wasn't going deaf. He didn't have hearing loss, but he had an abundance of earwax. So they'd clean it out. And my mom, you know, she did those candle things. You ever seen those where you like stick them? And uh, I don't know if that works or not. But um, what ended up happening is we eventually got a water pick. You ever seen that? A water pick, you stick that thing in their ear and you blasted with water and all the wax comes out. I know this is graphic, but, uh, but this is Bible, okay? They blast it and now his ears are clear and all of a sudden he can hear what we're saying. It was like a miracle. You realize this is the exact same way that the Bible says when we come to receive the word, we need to come with our ears clear. We need to come having our, our ears open and able to receive. In fact, you may be willing like, okay, I'm going to sit and I'm going to listen to the preacher. I'm going to sit and I'm going to get into the word of God. But if you don't have a pure heart, friend, it's like having clogged up ears. You're not going to be able to receive what the Lord desires to speak. This is not a complicated process. How many of you have ever had a moment... You don't have to raise your hand for this, but you come into the presence of God, and all of a sudden you remember, oh, I said something nasty to my wife right before we came in here. And then before you start singing, Lord, forgive me, I'm, I'm sorry I said it. Anybody ever have, you don't have to raise your hand, but you've had those moments, haven't you? We've all had those moments, God, I did this, I said this, I thought this, I experienced this this last week, and I'm, I'm sorry. Guys, we need to do that, have that heart check Every time we come into the presence of God. When you sit down and you have your personal quiet time with the Lord, you need to have those moments. This is not just a religious exercise. I'm just going to read this and it's just another book. Guys, I enjoy reading. 
I've been reading The Hobbit again for the, the last couple days, and uh, I do that about every year. I read everything C.S. Lewis writes. I enjoy reading. But I don't have the expectancy that J.R.R. Tolkien or C.S. Lewis or whoever I'm reading, I don't have the expectancy that these guys are going to speak to my soul in the way I do when I approach the Bible. I prepare my heart. I try and spend an hour or two a day reading the Bible, reading the Bible. I attempt to do that, but before I get into the presence of God, I have these moments. Lord, is there anything that would hinder my hearing? Have I seen? Have I said? Have I done? Have I experienced anything that would clog my ears and hinder me from receiving? We need to be washed. One of the interesting things I experienced in Israel is everywhere we were going, we were seeing these little pools all over the place. They were at the Jewish construction sites. They were outside of all of the synagogues. They were outside of the temple and the ruins. And every, everywhere you'd go, you'd see these little areas where you'd take a couple steps down into this, I mean, look like a hot tub or something. And, uh, and so we began asking, like, what are, what are all these little pools that are everywhere? And that's where we learn that there is what they call mikvahs. Everybody say mikvah. Anybody ever seen a mikvah? A few of you have. There's uh, these little, and, and they're various different sizes. For a small synagogue, you would have a mikvah on one side for the men, a mikvah on the other side for the women. And what it was essentially was you would go and you would go down and dip yourself, immerse yourself into this washing pool. And it was a picture of a cleansing before you come into the presence of God to worship, to hear the word, and to, you know, to, to honor the Lord, to receive from him. And it's a beautiful picture. If you've ever wondered, by the way, like all this talk and argument about circumcision in the Bible, I used to wonder, like, how, how do they even know whether you've been circumcised or not? Are they checking people at the door? I mean, what's going on? And... Um, this is, this is true. Come on. Don't act like you haven't wondered that too. But here's the deal. This is what would happen. On the men's side, all the men would come into the temple. They would disrobe naked, not keeping your underwear, not with swim shorts. No, you're naked as you are before the Lord. And you would go and you would immerse yourself in the mikvah as a washing, as a cleansing. You would come out on the other side. You would put your clothes back on and then you would go into the house of worship. So, yes, they did know whether you were circumcised or not. The women were on a separate side, and in many of the synagogues, the women would even sit separately from the men, um, you know, in the place of worship. And so, uh, we've decided we're going to build mikvahs. Uh, no, we're not doing that. But, uh, but you understand the picture, right? This is a, it's a beautiful image of this cleansing. In fact, we, we talk to, to Jews today who still go to the mikvah every single day before they begin their day. They do it before they pray, before they go into the presence, before they read the scriptures. Uh, and it's a wonderful practice. In fact, in the New Testament, when the apostles were baptizing the 3,000, chances are very high that they baptized them in those mikvahs. And so, like, we treat baptism like, I don't know if I'm ready. I think I'm ready. I don't, and, you know, we treat it like it's some weird taboo thing only once in a life. You realize that Jews would oftentimes be baptized every time they would come into church. 
minimum three times a year when they would come in for the various festivals and ceremonies. When Hebrews talks about the doctrine of washings, this is what they're talking about. Now, it's a little bit of a tangent, but everybody should get baptized, praise God. And this is the way that you and I should approach the Word of God. It's the way we should approach the house of God. Don't treat it as some little minor thing as we come into the place of worship. Check your heart before you come into the house of God. Don't wait for the end of the service when I lead us in a, in a prayer of dedication, in a salvation prayer. Do that before we come into the house of God. Do it in your own home when you open the word, when you spend time in prayer. Amen? So we're, gonna, we're going to receive the word with purity. Who remembers the first one? We're going to receive the word with what? With honor. And the second, we're going to receive the word with purity. And here's the last one. We are going to receive the word with humility. Verse 21 says that we're to receive with meekness the implanted word or the engrafted word. We're going to receive the word with Humility. Tell your neighbor, I'm very humble. I always get a kick out of that. The verse in Exodus, the most humble man on the, in the world was Moses. And who wrote that? Moses. Yeah, I, just, I feel like you defeat the purpose. But again, that was an inspired word of God, so it's probably true. But, um, but we need to receive the word of God with humility. Well, you say, what does that look like? It's actually built right there into the phrase. It says that we are to receive the implanted word. The actual word there, and different translations will actually say this, we are to receive the engrafted word. Everybody say engrafted. That's a, it's a gardening term. You know what it is to, have you ever seen somebody graft plants together? Maybe you're pruning something and you graft something, you know, one plant into another. Usually they're of the same type that you would graft a plant and you're trying to save the one or, or something like that, right? And so it's this idea where you cut it and you, you insert it and you prayerfully, you know, hope that it takes root and begins to receive life into its limb. Well, this is what it's talking about. There's a lot of examples in the Bible where it talks about how we receive his word like a seed and it produces, but in this text it says that we receive his word like a graft. Now here's what's interesting. I did a little research on this. Did you know that if you were to take an orange tree, something that's producing fruit, and you were to take one of the branches of the orange tree, and you were to cut open an apple tree, and you were to take and graft the orange branch into the apple branch, let me see if anybody knows this, what fruit is the orange branch going to produce? Acuities. So let me just tell you. Now, this is interesting, man. The roots, the trunk, the other branches, oranges. When you graft in an apple tree, it would produce apples, even though its roots are completely different. Now, this is weird, man, but I want you to think about what it says. Now, you just imagine, we're like, I mean, the Bible says that we have a sin nature. Psalm says we're born in sin. Romans says that, that there's none who do good, no, not one. Isaiah says that, that 
even our righteousness, the best that you can do are like dirty rags before God. We're like sour apples, friend. You ever seen a crab apple? I don't know if those things are good for anything. It looks like a leprous apple. We used to have them and we'd chuck them at each other. Just for, they're hard. I don't know if they're good for anything. But we're like, we're like crab apples. But when we receive the words of eternal life, when we receive the word of God, it's like a graft coming into us of the tree of life. It's like the tree of God that's now being grafted into us in the fruit that it produces. Even though our root system, our entire life, we're a mess, friend. We, we produce bad fruit. But when we receive the engrafted word, all of a sudden our life begins to produce good. Our life begins to produce the fruit of God, his love and his patience and his kindness and his generosity and his long-suffering and his, his virtue, his power, all of the attributes of God now have been engrafted into us even in our fallen human nature. So you may be concerned, Pastor, I, I want to be pure, I want to live right. Well, there's only one way you can do that, friend, and it's to receive the engrafted word. What is God speaking? What is God doing? Jesus said that we're to judge by fruit, and we one day will be judged by our fruit. That's how we're known. You can't produce good fruit on your own. But when God begins to work and operate in our lives through his engrafted word, we begin to produce his nature, his characteristics. Does that make sense to you? Wow. So here's a New Year's resolution. I want to challenge everybody within the sound of my voice. Read your Bible. Get in the word. Of God. I, I calculated it. I, I've probably read my Bible from cover to cover somewhere around 30 to 40 times. Very often I'll read the New Testament once every 30 days. I love the Bible. I love the Word of God. And that may be a stretch for you to say, Pastor, I can't do all that. You can read. You know, if you read three chapters a day and five on Sunday... That's how I was taught the very first time when I was encouraged to read the Bible. Read three chapters a day and five on Sunday. You'll read the Bible in a year. You can break it up, Old and New Testament, I know. It's like everybody, worship team, would you come? Would you come? We're going we're gonna to close and we're going to pray. I know the beginning of the year, I'm not excited. I, uh, I work out. And my, my family and I, we've been consistent in working out. But I know the gym is going to be a a real irritation over these next couple weeks because everybody's going to make New Year's resolutions and for three weeks it's going to be terrible and then everybody's going to give up on it. And see, the problem is a lot of times people, I'm going to read the Bible this year and they'll read Genesis. Wow, that's interesting. Wow. Abraham and Jacob and Whoa, the Exodus, when you go into Exodus, oh, Moses, oh, man, that's all cool. And then you get to Leviticus, and that's like, that's where everybody gives up. That's where everybody quits. So divide it up. Do some New Testament, do some Old Testament, but I want to challenge everybody within the sound of my voice. Take time this year to get into the Bible. 
And, and I want to challenge you further. Don't just read a devotion that has somebody's idea and then one verse tagged to it. Get in the Bible. If you start with one chapter a day, if you start with one story out of the Gospels, get in the Bible and ask the Lord. You approach it with honor. God, you are going to speak to me as I get in the Word. You approach it with purity. You prepare your heart. Lord, wash me even before I try and engage you in the Word. And you're going to approach the Word with all humility. God, I, I know I can do nothing in and of myself, but you are good. And as I receive your word, it's going to produce good in my life. It's going to change me. It's going to transform me. Can I ask you to stand all across this room? Today is January 1st. Today's a good day to start your Bible reading plan. Do something. Now, I'm going to pray. You say, Pastor, I get so bored when I read the Bible. I understand. Now, I'm going to pray that the very same way I fell in love with the Bible, you're going to fall in love with the Bible. I'm going to pray that Holy Spirit, who is the paracleto, he's the teacher, He's the instructor. I'm going to pray you're going to have experiences where you feel like God himself is just reading the scripture over your shoulder and teaching you what it's talking about. I'm going to pray that God give you a grace to do this because we need him. We need him. How many of you would say, Pastor, I am going to commit to getting in the Bible more this year than I did last year. How many of you would say, Pastor, I'm going to do that. I want to see your hand. You say, Pastor, I'm going to commit to get into the word this year. Hallelujah, hallelujah, most of us. This is what I want to do. I want to pray. I want to pray for you, for God's grace and his power to overwhelm you in this area. So come on, can we just lift our hands as a sign of surrender right now to the Lord. God, I thank you. Oh, I'm just reminded of Peter. God, there was a time where everybody was leaving the ministry. Everybody was running away. But, but Peter, he saw something in you, Jesus. He said, I cannot leave you because you have the words of eternal life. And God, I'm asking over every heart within the sound of my voice that you would open our eyes and open our hearts to the reality that these are the words of eternal life. It's not just a book. It's not just stories. It's not just myths and religion. It's not just texts that have been told and passed out. No, this is the living Word of God. And as much as we can read it, it can read us. It can speak to us. It can divide us, oh my. God. It can transform us. It has and it is the words of eternal life. And so God, I'm asking over every heart and every life, Lord, you saw the hands that went up. You saw the faith that says, Jesus, I want to read your word. I want to hear from you. I want to know you more than I did last year. God, I'm asking, according to their faith, let it be unto them. Lord, as they have made that gesture of faith, Almighty God, I pray that you would birth in them, even today, a love for your word, a hunger for your word, that God, there be moments that they're at work, and I just can't wait to get home to read my word. I can't wait to get home to read the Bible. They're going to get to the end of their three or five chapters and say, ah, I just want to read a little more, just one more chapter, Lord. I just pray you'd birth in us a hunger and a desire 
Oh, Lord, a love for your word. Lord, would you give them that grace, every person within this, young and old. I pray young people, almighty God. I pray that children would fall in love with the word. Oh, Jesus, from a young age, even like these children we dedicated earlier today, that God, babies, that children would fall in love with the word of God. Oh, Jesus, do a mighty work in our lives. Now with every head bowed and everyone praying, I know that there are some here when I talk about receiving and walking in purity, the Lord highlights different areas in your life and you know that's not, that's not you right now. But we're able to receive the engrafted word. Today, the word of righteousness can come into your life. The good news of the gospel, the word of God, that Jesus died, that he shed his blood and washed away our sin. And if you would believe in him, your sin can be forgiven and he can give you his perfect life. That's the word of God. And that can be engrafted in you. I want to ask you to put your hand over your heart in this place today. And Lord, I ask over every person within the sound of my voice, God, we acknowledge that we're fallen. We acknowledge that as we live in this flesh, the wiles of the world, the temptation of the devil, even the cry of our own flesh, it's dark. It's sinful. But Jesus, you have the words of life. You have the word of righteousness. And you can engraft your word in our heart. Oh Lord, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Lord, I'm asking that your word would reside and abide in our heart. And that you would give us strength, Lord, to not walk as the world does, but to walk as a new creation in you, Jesus. Come on, can we just pray together for the Lord to cleanse us? I want you to, I want you to pray this with me right now. Dear Jesus, I ask you, to cleanse me wash me in your blood make me pure give me clean hands give me a pure heart purge me wash me and make me brand new I ask you Lord be the king of my life be my savior Jesus I commit myself to you. All that I am is yours. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Teach me how to live a life that honors you all the days of my life. Help me to love your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we give God praise?